Father God, we thank you for your word. You said in Psalms 119 and verse 11 that we could hide your word in our heart and it would help us not sin against you. And Lord, you said in John 8, 31 and 32, if we would continue in your word, we would know the truth and that truth would bring freedom to our lives. And we just thank you for freedom. Lord, we thank you that uh, your word is growing and multiplying and changing lives. We thank you, Colossians 4, 4, in these last days that you're speaking clearly. And we just received the spoken word this morning. In the name of Jesus, if you agree, would you say amen? amen. We're going to start this morning on a topic, and we may finish it today, but we may visit it next week. And we're going to talk very simply along these lines. God is love. God is is love. How many of you have heard a lot of things about God and you've heard a lot of things that God supposedly is? Well, love is the quality and the, the attribute of God that you cannot actually separate. You, you cannot actually ever separate God from love. There's a lot of characteristics that God has and there's a lot of things from time to time we'll see the Lord operate in, but God is love. He doesn't have love he is love. God doesn't have love for us. God is love. And so I want to just kind of churn this butter for just a few minutes this morning. I want to kind of kind of walk through some things. We've we've heard it said that 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. How many of you have heard it said? And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. But if you want to be honest about it, 1 John is actually the love book. And 1 John 4 is really honestly the love chapter. 46 times in 1 John we see the word love. And it's a small book. And then over uh, 20, I believe it's actually 21 to 22 times, depending on your translation, just in 1 John chapter 4, we see the word love. How many know John, the one who Jesus loved, John, the one that was close to Jesus, how many know he knew something about God's love? So I want us to dive in this morning. This is more of a teaching. If you could go ahead and pull my title slide back up, guys. This is more of a teaching through 1 John 4. We're just going to walk through some of these verses. And then what we may talk about next week is we may actually get into how we actually receive God's love. This morning we're going to talk about God is love, and then we're going to give you some insight on how to receive God's love. Let me say this real clear. Love must be received. I can give love, but love must be received, meaning you can, you can give someone a gift, but you actually have to be active in receiving that gift. And I'm so concerned that so many people are not taught how to adequately receive God's love. So we're going to talk through those things. All right, First John chapter 4. Let's jump in. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Great job. Appreciate that. Let's begin in verse 7. We're just going to travel down through some of these verses. And if you've got your Bible, open it up. Let's, let's make sure that what we're putting on the screen is what's actually in the Bible. I've thought many times about putting something crazy on the screen and just seeing if anybody's actually paying attention. I mean, no, don't trust just what's on the screen. Let's get in the Bible. Let's read it for ourselves. Let's make sure that, that the preachers are preaching in context. Let's make sure that the preachers are preaching uh, what's actually there because it's, it's so easy to be deceived. I appreciate you trusting me, but I would much rather you check this out for yourself. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. We could almost just say that, take up another offering and go home and say we've had church. Beloved, let us love one another. That seems like such a simple command but it is such a challenge sometimes to really activate and walk in love. Beloved, now I love this. Anytime God issues kind of a, a correction or a warning, many times he will do what I call the Oreo cookie method. And this is the way that I discipline my children. I will affirm 
and love, and then I will correct and adjust, and then I will affirm, and I will love. It's a great way to operate. It's a great way to lead people. We see that from the Lord. Beloved. So he's giving love. He's saying, I love you. I, I care about you. You're beloved in the eyes of God. Would you say this when we say, I am loved by God. I am really loved by God. If you don't accept this from the very beginning, then your entire view of God's love will be, will be skewed. What you think about God determines how you receive from God. If you think God is mad at you, and if you think God is out to get you, and if you, then all of your life will be based on the premise that, that you have to earn God's love. It's settled once and for all. You cannot earn or deserve the love of God. It's freely given because of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, it's not so much that even God just loves you. He does, but God loves Jesus, His Son, and He gave His Son as a ransom, as a payment for you. And now you are precious in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did. And so it says, Beloved, it says we, we need to love one another, for love is from God, meaning love originated with God. Having no love did not start with Hollywood. Can I have an Amen. Love did not start with culture. Love did not start with what we see on the news and on TV. So we must set our definition of love from the Father because love is from God. Now it says, let us love one another. This is lifestyle, daily love. Write that down. Lifestyle, daily love. So this is an everyday kind of love. This is a common characteristic among all believers. I can meet a believer across the world. I can be in India and meet a believer. I can be in Haiti and meet a believer. And we may not have anything in common in the world except that we love one another because this is of God. When we're followers of Christ, we love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now I want you to look at this word knows. There are several words for knowing and knowledge in the Bible. This word is actually also used for intimacy between a man and a married man and a married woman, a husband and wife. This is, this is no one to get married. They, they know each other in, in a way that, that others do not know. There's an intimacy there. And so this is not just head knowledge. I'm so concerned that we have churches across America who are filling people with head knowledge, but they have no experiential knowledge. They know a lot about God, but they do not know God. And my goal is not for you to just be able to win a Jeopardy tournament when it comes to the Bible. My goal is for you to know the one and true living God. So, beloved, let us love, because when we are born of God, we love. Now, there's different kinds of love in the Bible. I don't have time to get into the different layers of love. But in America, we use love for everything. Man, I love that banana pudding. Really, you would die? You would give up your life for that banana pudding? Man, I love this weather out here today. Really? It's unconditional because when it rains tomorrow, you don't love the weather. And so we don't understand the, the Bible kind of love. And there's different kinds of love. There's, there's friendship love. There's a, a love that comes from the Greek word eros, which is kind of a what we'd call an erotic love, which is that, that emotion that comes attached to love. And then there's also a phileo, which is from Philadelphia. We get the English word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. There's a warmth and a kindness. There's the God kind of love, which is unconditional and, and without merit. And so we've got to make sure that we're understanding the different types of love. Now let's look at verse 8. So we're going to love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. Now let's look at verse 8. 
It says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I didn't, I didn't just say that. I didn't make that up. I'm not condemning you. I'm not challenging your theology. But the Bible clearly says, the one who does not love. Now, this is God's definition of love. This is not Hollywood love. This is God's true love. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And when you know God in an intimate way, you know love. And so that's clear here in the scriptures. Look at this PowerPoint for life. I think you'll see this on down in the presentation, guys. We have a PowerPoint for life. Don't tell me that you love God. Show me that you love God by loving. Don't just tell the world we love you. Let's show the world that we love them. Don't just tell your brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you. Let's show them that we love them because God is love. Now, let's go on down to verse 9. I want you to see this now, 1 John 4. In verse 9 says this, By this the love of God was manifested. Now that word manifested mean, made, means made known, means made clear, means revealed, brought into the light. So in the Old Testament, the love of God was hidden just a little bit. It was kind of a mystery. But because God sent His Son Jesus, now God's love has been brought into the light. And it's now been exposed. By this, the love of God was manifest, made known to us, that God sent His only begotten Son. Does that sound like another piece of writing in Scripture? It's because it's the same author. For God sent His only begotten, one and true, unique Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Now look at verse 10. So God has clearly shown us love. God loved and it had an action. Say that with me. Say, God loved and there was an action. So anytime we love and we have love because God is love, then there is an action to that. It says, in this love, not that we have loved God, meaning you didn't find God. You didn't find religion. Listen, friends, God found you. I've heard people say, well, I found religion. You didn't find God. God found you. He initiated the whole thing. It says, in this is love. Not that we loved God. Meaning God did not wait for you to come to church on a Sunday morning and show Him love for Him to reciprocate that love to you. God loved you first. How many of you remember in middle school... You would write the little note, you know, do, do you love me? Check yes or no. And, and how many of you got several no's back? I always got a bunch of no's back. It, it, I, but, but I got one really important yes, and she's working in kids' church, and that's all that I care about, amen? And so we, we would send a little letter that says, do you love me? Check yes or no. And once you realize someone had love for you as much as a middle schooler could possibly love, <laughs> once you realize someone had an affection for you, then you might be inclined to have a little bit of love for them. I'll never forget, I was, I was young, I was, I think, maybe in elementary school, and, and I went to an arcade, and I earned all these tickets, and bought, uh, it was close to Valentine's Day, and there was this little girl in the school that I kind of had a fancy towards, and, and uh, kind of liked, and uh, you like that word? Thank you. That's just for our dressed-up people today. So I kind of had a, a, you know, an affection for as much as a 10-year-old can have affection for someone. And I, I, I worked and played all these games, which I'm not great at video games. So this was a big deal. Spent way more money than the, the little prize that I received. But I got a little crystal heart, and it was in a black velvet case. And I was so excited. And I had this girl earmarked for Valentine's that I was going to give it to. 
And I gave her that. And man, it was the talk of the school. They couldn't believe it. They thought it was real diamonds. And I didn't tell them that it wasn't. I didn't tell them that I got it from the arcade. And I took the little made in China sticker off on the back. And you know, I was, I was really going at it. And so for one day, this, this little girl was my girlfriend for one day. That was Monday. Guess what happened on Tuesday? Guess who didn't get the necklace back? <laughs> so she reciprocated love because she, she felt I was loving her, but, but it didn't last. So go back to our scripture here in 1 John 1.10. And this is love, verse 10. This is love that God gave His Son for us. God gave Jesus to us, that, and He gave Jesus to be the payment for our sins. Now this is a big fancy word, propitiation, pro propitiation. For our sins. Now let me, let me read you what this means here in the original language. Are you ready? This is so interesting. Propitiation for our sins means this. Are you ready? It's an appeasing. Have you ever been appeased? Okay, well, I mean, we'll be having prayer after the service. <laughs> don't be talking during the sermon, interrupting me. I'm just teasing. I don't even know who that was. I don't even. Have you ever been appeased? Appeased, let me explain appeasement to you. Appeasement is this, when you get a speeding ticket, the courts are justly angry at you. When you get a speeding ticket, the courts have a just cause against you. And when you go and when you pay that ticket, you have now appeased the wrath of the courts. Even though the wrath was legal and the wrath was justified, because you made payment, you appeased the courts. Well, we had a great debt. Something changed here on my mic, if you can fix me back. We had a great debt that we could not pay. We had a great debt called sin. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. We had a tremendous debt that we could not pay. But God offered Jesus as the payment, and therefore it appeased the wrath of God. God is no longer mad at me. God is no longer demanding that I pay for my sin. Now, if I do not accept Jesus, there's tremendous payment and judgment for my sin. But as a believer in Christ, I don't have to pay for my sin because Jesus already paid for my sin. Now, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you there's consequences to sin. You cannot live in sin and, and not see the consequences because the wages of sin are death. If you continue in sin, the soul that sinneth will surely die. Tell the drug addict that following drugs and, and alcohol for a, an extended period of time, tell, tell them that it doesn't bring death to your body. There are certain natural laws that you cannot escape. But as far as the eternal punishment for my sin, God is no longer mad at me when I accept Christ. Jesus is the payment. He's the appeasing for my sin. Let me show you this a little more clear. Look at Romans chapter 5 if we can go there. Romans chapter 5 is such an important passage to us. And let's start in verse 5. So we're talking about Jesus being, being our appeasement for sin way before we ever reciprocated God's love. God didn't wait on you to love Him before He decided to love you. Notice in Romans 5.5 5, how powerful this is. Hope does not disappoint. Ladies and gentlemen, we have hope. We have hope in Jesus. This world doesn't have hope, but we have hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom's been given to us. Look at verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While I was still in my sin, when I was still helpless and hopeless, Christ died for me. Look at verse 7. For one will hardly ever die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to even die. Verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love towards us that when we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Listen, friends, the New Testament is very unique among all world religions. All other world religions are you performing and you doing what you can do and you doing the rituals and you doing the routine and presenting it to an angry God and hoping He accepts it. But all of Christianity is God doing all the work and God doing the initiating, presenting it to man, hoping that you accept it. It's a total opposite change from what we see in world religions. So look at verse 11. What do we do now in 1 John 4, verse 11? What do we do with this love? So God loved us. He initiated love. Now look at verse 11. It says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Does that sound like our mission statement? Passion for God, compassion for people. Because we are loved, we love. Because we are saved, we serve. Because we are blessed, we bless others. Christianity is not just something to know. It's something to do. It's something to live. So let's look at verse 12. Thanks, guys, for tracking with us. You're doing a great job. Look at verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. Don't really have time to get into to that, but you can study that on your own. It says, if we love one another, God abides in us. So God abides, that means remains and stays. So when I keep myself in love and when I'm functioning on a high level of love, God abides in us and His love is perfected. Now the word perfected here actually means mature and grown up. So this is what I put in my notes. We need to focus on perfecting our love walk. We need to grow up and be mature in our love walk with one another and with the world. So let's jump now down to verse 16. So if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is matured. It grows up in us. You can grow up in the love of God. Now look at verse 16. This is where it really gets good. So we've come to know and we've come to believe. Now I want to stop right here and highlight this. We've come to know and we have believed. It says the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And abide means lives and stays and remains. We've come to know and we've come to believe. Regardless of our circumstances, we know God's love and we believe God's love. Despite what's going on all around us, despite what's going on in our culture, despite what's going on in the media, despite what's going on maybe even in your own life, maybe your life is chaos right now, once you know and believe God's love, that will be the foundation that helps you get through anything in your life. Because this is not contingent upon my surroundings. It's not contingent upon my circumstances because I know and I believe. And so look at Romans 8.35. This is, I believe, very special for someone this morning. You could quote it, but I want us to read it. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Nothing, nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Who shall ever separate us? Shall suffering, shall affliction, shall tribulation. How many of you have ever been through suffering, affliction, and tribulation? It can't separate you from God's love. Calamity, distress, will danger, Will persecution, will famine, will will nakedness, will sword. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Now jump down to verse 37. I want you to see this verse. You could quote it again. There we talked about persecution. Hunger, go on to the next one. Go on to verse 37. Yet in all these things, yet amid all these things, so our outward circumstances do not change God's love. 
We can still abide and remain in the love of God despite our outward circumstances. It says, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why are we more than conquerors? Because of the love of God. Because we know that God loves us with an unconditional love. We are now more than conquerors. And we gain a surpassing, overwhelming victory. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been living in defeat, if you've been living in defeat in your mind, if you've been living in defeat in your finances, if you've been living in defeat in your marriage, if you've been living in defeat in your parenting, if you've been living in defeat in your guilt, today is the day that we lay that defeat down and we pick up a surpassing victory, which is in Christ Jesus. And it's because God loves us. It's not because I'm that special. It's because God loves us. For I am convinced. Now look at verse 38. You have to get to a point in your life where you are persuaded beyond a doubt that God loves you, God cares for you, God has mercy for you. I am convinced, I'm persuaded beyond doubt, I am sure, I am positive, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, no 39, no height, no depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love, the unconditional love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Say it when we say, God really loves me. God really wants to forgive me. He really wants to give me a new start. And so this reflects our covenant with God. God, God always takes the first step. He always takes initiation. You can run a thousand miles from God, and when you take one step back, He's there with open arms to love you and receive you back. Now let me say this real careful. God is always calling us back. And the reason is because He sees the cliff at the end of the road that we're on. So we're walking and we're doing our own thing. And God sees the, the cliff up there and He's yelling at us, Come back! Come back! Come back! Watch out! Come back! God is, God is sending preachers your way to tell you that. God is sending family your way. You thought your family was just nagging you. God's using them. There's a cliff over there. There's danger ahead. There's, this road is closed. There's danger. You need to stop. And we keep pressing. We keep pressing. I don't want to deal with church. I don't want to deal with religious people. I don't want to be a fanatic. And God is sending people, sending people. Come back, come back, come back. And we take one step back to God and He will be there and He will catch us back. But there is a danger, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter how much God loves you. If you don't respond, there is a danger that we do not respond in time. And we see a lot of tragedy in a lot of people's lives. And we're quick to blame God and say, well, if there's a God, then how could this mother of three have overdosed on drugs. If God loves these children and God loves this mother, how could this mother of three over... For years, God was calling, stop, come back. But we don't want to deal with church. We don't want to deal with discipline. We don't want to deal with religion. We don't want to deal with those kind of people. And so there comes a point where it's not God pushing us off the cliff. God is asking us and calling us, stop, there's danger ahead. But there is a point where you can take one step too far and it's not God pushing you over the cliff, ladies and gentlemen. It's called, we lived in a cursed, fallen world. There are consequences to sin. But love is always calling and always pulling. So let's go down to verse 17, John 1. Or 1 John 4, uh, 17. Let's keep reading here. By this, love is perfected, matured, so that we may have confidence. This is so good. 
Can, guys, can you pull up 1 John 4, 17? By this, love is perfected with us. What does perfected mean? Mature, grown up. Notice this here. By this, love is perfected, mature, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you here with some things. I don't have time to fully teach this. If this interests you, I have a full teaching on the judgment seat of Christ, the, the judgment that believers face, and I'd love to put that in your hands. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it to tell you this. I am not afraid one bit of the judgment day of Christ because I'm standing in the presence of my Father. I'm standing in the presence of the one who loves me. The Bible says in just a minute that perfect love casts out fear. Fear of what? Fear of judgment. Does that mean I've done everything right? Absolutely not. Does that mean all my works that I've done are going to be uh, rewarded? No, there's going to be some things that I've done in the flesh that are going to be burnt up and taken away. But I am not afraid at all of the judgment of Christ because I'm a friend of God. I am no longer an enemy of God because I have given my life to Christ. I'm now born into the kingdom of God. By this, love is matured. Meaning, 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 if you are afraid of God's judgment, on that day, you have not yet grown up in your revelation of God's love. And I don't mean that negative or condemning, but you are still spiritually immature in your revelation of how much God loves you. If you are still fearful that every that your life is going to be just picked apart and you don't know if you're going to make the cut on that judgment day, I'm standing there in front of my father. I'm standing there, my best friend. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Pull this up on the screen, guys. This is so powerful. When we come to know God as father, we no longer fear him as judge. Yes, he's judge. But when I come to know God as father, I no longer fear him as judge. So I'm going to stand on the day of judgment in front of my Lord, in front of my father, without fear, without intimidation, because I know how much God loves me and I know His grace and mercy in my life. It doesn't mean that everything I've done is going to be rewarded. Scripture talks about wood, a, a straw, and hubble, and it's burned up, and, and the Scripture talks about gold and precious stones, and that's what remains. And so I understand that, but I don't stand in front of Jesus on that day fearful. Now go back to verse 19, guys, if you can. 1 John 4, 19. We love because He first loved us. Verse 18 says this. It says there's no fear in love. Perfect love. Mature love casts out fear. So if we're living in a fearful walk with God, not, not fear as in reverence, but fear as in God is, God is going to uh, do something to you or in a way or, or you're just not going to make the cut or you're not good enough. If we're living in that fear of still not not just being good enough for God to love us, we've not yet grown up and become perfect in our love because mature love, perfect love, cast out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So we can grow up in our love. We can be mature in our love. Now look at verse 20. This is where it gets good. Y'all ready? It's kind of quiet. Y'all ready for this? This is a part everybody will love. Here we go. Ready? If someone says, I love God... I've got a Jesus sticker on my car. I think this would disqualify most in the room if that were the case. Because I've got an I love Jesus bumper sticker. If someone says I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who do not, does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God. This is, this is the heavy. This is the heavy hammer. Now we could argue what does brother mean? There's, I mean it... I believe John is talking primarily to believers here. So brother in this context, I believe, would be 
would be a Christian brother, but we can also see in other terms, brother, it would be, be of, of humanity, of mankind. And, and so I'm not going to nitpick you who my brother is. I'm just going to love everybody. <laughs> I'm not going to take my chances and miss it. I'm just going to operate in God's love. If someone says, I love God, meaning it's not about what you say, it is also actually about what you do. Now, it's not about what you do to receive God's grace and forgiveness and salvation, but once you're saved, it is all about what you do. There is a walk that we have to put behind our talk, not to get God to love us, but we do it because we are loved. Notice this here in verse 21. And this commandment we have from Him. So if it's a commandment, it's a choice. This commandment we have from Him, that, we, that the one who loves God should also love His brother. So pull up these screens here as we close this today. I want to just show you some characteristics of love. I don't have much time to really get into all of these, but let's pull up some characteristics of love. Can you start with number one? Thank you. Back up just a little bit. So here's some characteristics of number one, of love. Ready? Number one, love is not a feeling. Would you say that with me? Love is not a feeling. Love is not based on how you feel. I love my wife with all of my heart, but there are not every day that I wake up I feel married or I feel like I'm in this blissful relationship or I just feel these warm and you know lovey feelings every second of the day and I love my wife no question about it. we have a great relationship but it's not a feeling meaning are you ready you cannot fall into and fall out of true love well we've just um, well why are, why are y'all getting a divorce well we've just fallen out of love well you can't fall out of something that's a choice love is not a feeling now now love has an emotion and love has a feeling but love is not based on a feeling or based on an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Would you say that with me? Ready? Say it out loud. Here we go. Ready? Love is a choice. And this is what I mean. Love is based on the character of the giver, not the receiver. You may not feel like God loves you, but it doesn't change the fact that He loves you with an everlasting love. So love is not a feeling. We don't fall in and out of love. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Every day I wake up, I choose to love Jesus. Every day I wake up, I choose to love my family. It's called commitment. Is that a bad word in church now? It's called commitment. It's called I love my wife based on my character. Don't know how, no matter how crazy she's acting. Y'all know that's a joke. No matter how crazy my wife is acting, I love her because it's based on me and my character and not her. That's the way it is with God. Look at the next one. Go to number five. Love is unselfish. Love is unconditional, without merit. Love requires commitment. And when you mix intimacy with commitment, it breeds passion. Let me say that again. When you mix intimacy with commitment, it breeds passion. Look at John 15, 13 as we close this out. Is this helping anybody today? Man, this, I hope this is good for you. No one has greater love. No one has ever shown stronger affection than to lay down and give up his own life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus gave up, gave up his own life for us before we ever, ever gave the Lord any love back. It's unselfish. Last one, love is unconditional. I'm going to close with this. Look at 1 Peter 4, 8. One of my favorite scriptures. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Forgiveness, it forgives and disregards the offenses of others. 
And so God is love. We close today just by reading the famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Pull it up, guys, if you can. 1 Corinthians 13, just track with me. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Meaning I can function in the supernatural, but if I don't have love, I'm bankrupt. It means nothing. Look at verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries, know all, you've got all the knowledge in the world. If I even have faith that I can even remove mountains, but I have love, it's nothing. I am nothing. Look at verse 3. If I give all my possessions, we're not even talking about tithing here. This is all. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love, profits nothing. Look at verse 4. God is patient. God is kind. Wait, wait, this says love. Well, God is love. You can't separate the two. So when I'm flowing and knowing God, I am patient and I am kind because I am love because I'm in God. God is love and if I'm abiding in Him, then I'm, I'm, I'm love, right? You take an Easter egg and you dip it in the dye, it comes out and you, you can't separate now the dye from the egg. You have an orange egg. So when I get dipped in God's love, I come out looking like God's love. So God is patient, God is kind. So now as I'm flowing in love, I am patient, I am kind. I'm not jealous. Love isn't jealous. God is a jealous God. We understand that. But He's not jealous in the evil sense here. Now it says love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Notice here when we're flowing in, in, in knowing God's love. Look at verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. That'd be a great scripture for all of our teenagers to, to memorize and even adults. But we need to learn how to behave in the love of God. Notice here it does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. And this is not saying just lay down and be a pushover and let people walk over you. This is not at all saying that. This is a higher level of love. It says love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Last one, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And we know it. We could all say it. Love never fails. God never fails. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's close our eyes for just a minute. Lord, thank you for your word this morning.